Hello, and welcome to the Building Community Podcast. I'm here with Aaron Hodges of What's In and Stantec. How's it feel to be here in, in Austin? It's really exciting, actually. Um, on this sunny, beautiful summer day, you feel like Austin is almost the cooler version of Seaport, where uh, our office is actually at. Wow, so we're having a Seaport comparison here in Austin. Yeah, it's about um, the energy of Seaport District without the uh, the glass towers. It's more about vibrant and energy. So really excited to be here at yeah, uh, Doorbell. Definitely. We're here at Doorbell headquarters here at the Harvard Innovation Lab, and we see a lot of cranes from our window. So that definitely keeps us uh, keeps us passionate and keeps us going forward. So it's very exciting. So I'd love to, would love our listeners to learn more about what you're doing with Stantec and, and what what is this What's In project that you've been working on that's very exciting. Yeah, sure. So What's In is a research initiative to find out how to solve the housing affordability issues in cities like Boston. Um, we pretty much started as a group of young professionals moving to Boston uh, fresh out of school. And then when we were looking around the city trying to find a place to rent, what we found out was everywhere is really expensive. Um, so what happens to a lot of uh, friends and other young professionals is they rent a triple-decker with a couple of their friends and end up paying uh, more rent than what they're willing to. And then at the same time, they're squeezing out a family who um, could really benefit from this type of um, housing typology. Uh, So we started a couple years ago trying to find out what do people actually want in terms of living in the city. Yeah, that's amazing. I was actually at one of the uh, the information sessions, or I guess the brainstorming sessions that you hosted at the Stantec headquarters in, in the Seaport, and a lot of the topics we were talking about were very relevant to what we're doing here at Doorbell in terms of community spaces, in terms of, of safe spaces, as one of the, the words there. And I think what we really liked was, was the, the talk about this thriving spaces that I think, I think it was someone at the Housing Innovation Lab mentioned, I think it was Max, and we think it's incredible. Yeah, uh, I think Doorbell has so much... Um cross-section to what Watsing is trying to achieve. One of our core strategies for solving affordability in housing is this model of uh, living small and sharing more. When you living in a more compact and smartly designed space, you pay less rent because um, you're, you're in a smaller space. Right. Uh, but on the other hand, what about the spaces outside of your own living unit? Right. Um, and a lot of our generation crave for social interaction and the opportunity to make more friends. Almost like, uh, you remember how you make friends when you're back in college? I do remember. Open the door in your dorm room. And... So do you remember how you meet friends when you're back in college? Yeah, I do. I mean, you go, you just knock on someone's door and say, hey, you know, do you want to hang out? Uh, my name is Ben. What's your name? And how often do you remember people doing it nowadays? In- I probably could not tell you the last time I met somebody in one of the buildings that we're in. I mean, I currently do not live in a doorbell apartment building, and, and I really wish I do. So that's exactly what we're trying to bring to the discussion. Um, so at Stantec, we are an architecture firm that designs a lot of uh, modern multifamily housing towers in cities like Boston. And what we found out is the space that we design are very beautiful, um, but they offer, often suffer from the lack of programming in these spaces. So uh, imagine a beautiful lounge with a pool table and seating areas, but um, only part of the time the space is occupied by its residents. 
Yeah, no, that, that's exactly right. I think one of the things we spoke about a lot before was, was really the activation of these spaces. I think one of the big focuses that we're seeing, especially here in Boston and places like the seaport and really the hotbeds of innovation and the hotbeds of, of development, frankly, is, is the emphasis on these spaces. And I think one of the questions that we always have as a company is, is how are you going to activate these spaces? So I think we'd love to hear more about how do you think about, you know, how do you activate these spaces? I mean, is it the existence of them that's more important? Is it the kind of use of them? And how do, how do you guys think about that from a design perspective, from a architecture perspective, but also from kind of a resident perspective? There are so many layers to this topic. Um, we always think of space as a facilitator for activities. Right. So the first requirement is, of course, really well-designed space. Is there enough natural light? Is there enough spatial quality and characteristic to attract people to go to that space at the first place? But then after that, your job is not done after that point. Uh, how do you activate the space using programming? Uh, that's when um, you guys can come in to play. Um, how do you generate a common interest and a common platform so that multiple um, different types of people, uh, people, from, people from different demographics and different backgrounds could enjoy the space together? Exactly. I think it's really bringing people together of, of diverse backgrounds, of diverse, you know, places in life. I think we find a lot of our buildings are very much kind of concentrated towards the active adults and the kind of young professional age demographics. But really, it's not mutually exclusive at all. I think we, saw, we see a lot of you know, mentorship opportunities from a lot of our older residents to a lot of our younger residents and, and really anything in between. I think that that really is a great way just to provide an extra benefit in terms of community and just robustness in terms of experiences to, to people who, who live in, frankly, the greatest cities on earth. I mean, cities are really the bastions of these kind of interactions that no, yeah, or serendipitous. Yeah. And uh, a very interesting fact that we found out after some focus group discussion is dogs, believe it or not, is one of the most effective ways to bring people together. And um, so if you're walking down the street seeing a really cute dog, you're more likely to go pet the dog and start chatting with the owner than just randomly chatting with some person on the street. Uh, so one of the ideas that we had throughout this process is, can you cre create a can you create a doggy happy hour? Yeah. Where you bring all the dogs in the communities and have beer and have food, so that people can have conversations and using uh, the the cuteness of the dogs as the yeah. common interest that brings people together. Yeah, I mean, we've actually had a few of those yappy hours, and we find that they're 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 successes. People love it. I mean, imagine walking through you know Boston Common with a with a corgi, you know. Who's not going to want to stop and pet your corgi? You're going to be the adorable. most popular person in the building. That's how you make friends. You have, you have dogs and you have just, I think generally, I mean, the way we look at dogs is just a way to kind of put your cover down. You know, we have events where we have battle decks and these are just opportunities for people to kind of on the spot, you know, improv and just use a random topic and something funny that you're literally have no idea what the next slide's going to be, but you're making this coherent presentation. Everyone's laughing and we're all making fun of each other. We're all doing this together. And I think a dog does that. It's an, it's an opportunity to talk about something that's adorable, something that is very important to you and that really everyone resonates with. I mean, what is a, what, who doesn't want to pet an amazing corgi or an amazing golden retriever? The other thing we found out that could be a very interesting thing to bring people together is the, uh, the laundry room. Uh, so in our, um, in our student housing practice, uh, Mass Art Residence Hall, for instance, we designed a laundry space on the pajama floor, we call it, awesome. that has a really transparent uh, visibility to the rest of the floor. And we linked a few other social spaces with the, 
the laundry facility so that when you're doing laundry, which most people do once or twice a week, you're uh, more interested in you're more interested in hanging out in the space for a prolonged period of time, which is a great way to meet other people living in the building. Yeah, so I think just kind of taking taking that a step back. I mean, what 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 large trends you're seeing here in Boston? I mean, what should we be excited about? Is it the seaport? Is it particular areas? Is it a particular product? I mean, how should we look at that? Well, the seaport is definitely up and coming with all the tech companies moving in the neighborhood. But it's always going to be the most expensive plot of land on a waterfront property. Uh, so I'm actually more interested and more excited about neighborhoods like Austin, East Boston, and uh, uh, even Dorchester yeah. and Roxbury. So these are neighborhoods that has a rich history and already uh, well established in terms of neighborhood amenity and culture. And a lot of them has really good uh, access to public transportation uh, that could become a link back into the city. I'm also really interested in the um, non-urban core area too. So for example, any satellite cities that's accessible on the commuter rail. Right. And I heard you guys are doing a few projects in Worcester. Yeah, it's the second biggest city in New England. I think that's definitely one of our, of our larger communities. And it, it's really an amazing way to to really engage with the city that's growing, that's this go undergoing this you know urban revitalization project, we'll call it. That is exciting. You know, we're going downtown now, and we're seeing people walking all of the streets. People excited to be there, really in the thicket of everything. We're seeing amazing local breweries. We we're just chatting about Wormtown before. And we're seeing amazing places to 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 get food. I mean, if you're a foodie, you got to check out Worcester. I mean, there's 150 restaurants there that I can guarantee you are really gonna really gonna get you excited and have you coming back. That is, yeah, that's really fun um, to see and really excited to see. You know, the housing issue that we're dealing with as a city, um, it's not a urban core issue. Uh, the solution actually lies in a regional approach. Right. When downtown core's um, rental cost is hiking at a drastic rate, we need to start looking at cities outside of the uh, right. the Boston core area. Exactly so, right. Uh, cities on the North Shore, uh, South Shore, and uh, even Central Mass is fair game. You're exactly right. I mean, you're seeing places like Everett, Massachusetts, Chelsea, Massachusetts, Dorchester, Roxbury, even Quincy are just thriving. And, and it's not place. because that they're just close to Boston, just because they themselves are fun places to live. And, and really, you know, we were talking remember, earlier about a food gastro tour of, of Quincy. It's a great place to be in. These places are, are really activated and themselves are kind of urban cores. I think that's really what we're seeing a lot with the, the kind of the future of Boston is it's becoming a large metropolis. I mean, the 600,000 people who live in the city right now, I mean, my math could be wrong by 100,000 here or there. There are going to be a lot more coming in. That number is just, that's a static number right now. The number will be much larger in five, 10 years. And the question is, how do we you know, activate, build enough spaces and provide you know, robust enough housing opportunities for people who, who really want to live in a city and really experience the, you know, the robustness and the kind of excitement, I guess, even if you will, of, of city life, of being around other people, of being within, you know, five, six feet of your neighbor who's literally right next door, right above you, right below you. And that's that's kind of what we're seeing here in Boston. That's a lot of what we're excited about with, with Doorbell as well. 
you know, a lot of the argument people has against social media is how it divides people in a physical realm. Yeah. Um, but I feel like as designers, architects, and startup entrepreneurs, is how do we leverage technology to bring people back together in a physical realm? And um, what I love about what you guys are doing at Doorbell is you're using a digital platform that links with a tangible and physical space, and you are using technology to. Um, help enforcing, help um, activating spaces and people. Yeah, we, we're the happy resident company. We really want to use everything from technology to curated events to experiences, really just to make people happy, you know, where they spend 12, 14, sometimes 15, 16 hours of their day, their home. And, and that's really, you know, a responsibility that we don't take lightly. And we're very, very proud to be, you know, trusted by, you know, hundreds of residents who, who really find meaningful impact what we're doing. Yeah. So I guess reflecting more on this topic of technology, you know, at least helping a lot of these these large problems that we see in Boston and just internationally with, with cities and how cities are growing, you know, what exciting aspects of technology are you really looking forward to seeing, you know, being used in, in cities? So I'm definitely interested in how technology can be integrated into housing and urban living in general. Um, so one of the most interesting things how technology is being used in apartment interior is making a small space function like a large space. Right. Have you heard of the, um, there's a group from the MIT. MIT is it Ori? Yeah, the Ori system. Amazing. Uh, so we worked with Hasir's group a, a couple years back and, and was totally blown away by how he was able to utilize just simple translations and rotations of furniture in a space to make a single piece of furniture function like multiple pieces of furniture. Right. So your bed disappears under a cabinet, right. and you can now all of a sudden host a dinner party when a uh, table gets slid out under the uh, kitchen counter. Yeah. So that's definitely one of the most exciting things about technology, in my opinion, because as our cities are getting denser and denser and living spaces are you know, inevitably getting smaller and smaller, how do you make a limited amount of space work more for individual residents? No, you're exactly right. And I think, you know, what better place on earth than Boston really to pioneer these solutions like Ori and modular furniture and, and modular construction and, and community building and really all these topics from real estate finance to just how people actually interact with the physical furnitures is really being pioneered here in Boston. I think we really see as a company no better place to headquarter because, I mean, frankly, the people here are tackling some of the world's biggest problems. I mean, we have you know, Harvard Medical School, you know, three miles away, tackling some of our biggest medical problems and medical solutions. And, you know, the, the GSD here and MIT and all the amazing, you know, was it 42 universities, Tufts, I mean, all these schools here that are just, you know, cauldrons of innovation and just great places for people to just tackle big problems and be ambitious, you know? You know, housing affordability is not just a Boston problem. It's in New York, it's in D.C., it's in Paris, it's in San Fran, it, it's everywhere. And um, for a city like Boston, I feel like it's a perfect place to test pilot projects. Uh, we have a lot in front of us that needs to revamp and reinvent, of course. Um, and I can't think of a, a better group of people, um, a more innovative group of people to tackle this problem and take the initiative and be very optimistic. Channel the puppies, right? Exactly. Channel the smiles. Yeah. Exactly. So, we can get it done. Exactly. So tell us more. So how do we get involved with what's in? Are there any outlets that we can go to? Any ways we can kind of interact with the conversation? How do we help out? Oh, absolutely. So uh, 
Watson is a research initiative that's supported by Stantec, and we host um, we we host roundtable discussions like the ones that you attended last month. Now, yeah, and we also build exhibits. We actually run an international design competition every year to be hosted in the uh, Architecture Boston Expo space in November. Right. So we're in the uh, final selection of a winner to design a interact social uh, to design a space for social interaction to fill a 20 foot by 70 foot space on the exhibit floor. Wow. Yeah, so we're down to six finalists. Wow. The competition's tough. And uh, when, uh, the, the six finalists were from all over the place. They, uh, one of them's from New York, one local firm, one from Paris, and one from London. And we're, we're, we can't wait to see what they are bringing to the table. So in this exhibit, uh, long story short, we will be introducing the research content of this year, which is focused on social space. Yeah, that's that's definitely a lot of uh, a lot of what we do. So very excited to see that, and we'll definitely post a link if you find right in the description of this podcast. Aaron, thanks so much for coming, and uh, we're very looking forward to to working with you more and hearing more about the winners of your competition. Glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me.